This is Amateur Logic, episode 85 for December 15th, 2015. This episode of Amateur Logic was brought to you by MFJ, the world leaders in ham radio accessories at mfjenterprises.com and by ICOM. For those long holiday trips, let your ICOM radio help you enjoy your travels. Hi, welcome to the 2015 Amateur Logic Christmas Extravaganza. That's a mouthful. Extravaganza. I'm George. I'm Tommy. And I'm Peter. And uh, always, it's good to be back with you. But it's, we have a, a good show tonight. They're all good. They're all good. But th- this one uh, is going to be a little bit special. Yeah, and uh, mm-hmm. really, you haven't. You haven't seen the the special things that we have no, going on tonight. No, I haven't. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, uh, n- neither has Peter yet. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, well, do we get to see Rock and Ray? Uh, Rock and Ray won't be with us this year. He had a previous engagement. Still booked up uh, from last year, huh? Yep, still booked up. Yeah. But we do have <laughs> a couple other guests with us uh, for the show tonight. We've got our old friend Emil. Uh, the cheap old man. Hi, email. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody. How are things down around New Orleans tonight? Oh, it's good. It's nice and uh, warm for Christmas, and uh, things are going great. And uh, looking forward to being a part of the show. Yeah, cool. awesome. Good to have you here. Yeah, good. Good to have you here. And we got something special uh, coming up from you a little later in the show, but uh, we, we won't give it away just yet. We do have another friend in here, though. Uh, this one, that troublemaker from up north. Oh, the Photoshop guy. The Photoshop guy. Uh, Mike, VE3MIC. Hi, Mike. Good evening, everybody. Great to uh, to hang out with you guys once again. Uh, it's great to have you here. We've got some fun things lined up tonight, don't we? Uh, yeah, we sure do, but uh, we'll save that for, uh, for a little later. I don't want to let it out of the bag yet. And... Uh, yeah, Tommy, I think you might you might be interested in a few of these products. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I think really, you know, with as much traveling as he does, and you know, his he can't carry a lot of antennas, but the big load may be just what he needs. Yeah, and it's it's a big load. Yeah, it really is. Well, I'll have to keep my eye out for that. Yeah, you won't miss it. <laughs> Well, I tell you, let's uh, let's get on into the show, get things rolling here a little bit. Peter, I think you have our first email for the night, don't you? I do indeed. And that's from uh, Mark AB9ZA. Uh, and uh, he says, Peter, thanks for the re- thanks for a reply. On my main computer, I installed Cinnamon Mint to run with the existing Windows 7. But when I try to boot, boot Windows, I get a screen full of multicolored hash. So, uh, and he also had some troubles with his wife's Windows 8 machine. Uh, unfortunately, um, uh, I have to be perfectly honest and say that uh, 
uh, installing Win uh, Cinnamon uh, or any version of Linux as a, a dual boot, bit, uh, boot can be a bit hit and miss at times, unfortunately. He also mentions, though, that he installed uh, FL Digi on his Raspberry Pi, and now he compiles the packages for all his computers as he gets the latest versions on his machines sooner than waiting for the Debian or PPA versions. And, uh, yeah, he just says, thank you all for, thank you all for Amateur Logic, and I hope you will continue with your fine program, uh, which we hope to do. Yes, yeah, so thanks very much, Mark. Yeah, cool. Awesome. You know, I haven't made that uh, that Linux job yet. I only run it on my Raspberry Pi. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, well, that's actually all I've got it on at the moment. I, I did have it on a bootable disk for mm -hmm. a while, and then I had that, my old computer switched over to Linux after that, and... Uh, it, that kind of computer kind of died, and I haven't put another one together. Mm. Well, I, I run Dual Boot with Cinnamon, uh, Cinnamon Mint, which uh, I find really good. And I've uh, just recently installed Elementary OS on an old laptop. And uh, you find that uh, Elementary runs really good on older, slower laptops. So I'm very pleased with that. So is that a, a Linux distribution as well? Yep, absolutely. But it's uh, one which is cut down and uh, uh, put together with lightweight uh, programs so that it doesn't tax the CPU terribly much. So uh, if you have, a, as I had, an old HP uh, laptop which has a beautiful 14-inch screen but you know, a slower processor, by running elementary OS, I was able to actually get some decent performance out of it and make full use of you know, w what is a beautiful screen. Cool. Well, I haven't heard of that one yet. I hadn't either. But, uh, Peter, I know um, you had some antenna problems recently, didn't you? I, I did indeed. Well, let's. Uh, I think it was episode 38 I had some antenna problems, and uh, I spoke to you about, um, you know, basically I was transmitting and I was uh, finding that uh, uh, I was transmitting a lot of frequencies I shouldn't be, and you, you told me about an ugly balloon, which I installed. But um, just recently, I ran into some problems, so I had to do some debugging. Hello, everyone, and happy Cinderclass. This month, we're going to revisit the ugly Balin that I built in episode 38. Now, as you'll recall, I built this because I was actually getting RF burns off my radio, and my signal was ending up on frequencies other than the frequency that I was trying to transmit on. So I contacted George, and he suggested that I build an ugly Balin. Now, before anybody points it out, an ugly Balin isn't actually a Balin. A Balin connects a balance line to an unbalanced line, whereas an ugly Balin is really an air choke. It actually stops RF currents traveling down the outside of the coax. So I built my ugly Balin, and yes, it's worked. And uh, I'll show you uh, some of the examples of the reception etc that I've been getting in just a moment but I have to say I haven't been entirely satisfied with the results I found that the radio has been a bit more deaf than it was before and so I decided to go back and check the work that I did just in case I, I made a mistake I'm quite sure that George's design uh, is is quite okay it's it'll be an error on my part first let's do a couple of tests using the Balin as it is at the moment now, first, I've done a 20 meter receive test using JT65. As you can see from the screen, I'm receiving VK3, VK6, and even a Japanese station, all okay. 
However, the stations they are talking to, namely the uh, Russian, the Argentinian and the British station, I'm actually not hearing them. So uh, the, the antenna is working, but perhaps it's not working as well as it could be. For my other test, I've done a 30 meter transmit test. Now the test is using whisper mode and I'm transmitting 30 watts of power when conditions are good according to uh, WSPRnet.org. I should be able to get overseas. And here are the results. As you can see, I've been received in VK6, VK5 and VK3 as well as uh, what appears to be Wellington in New Zealand. So I did get overseas but I'm not getting to places like Japan and other places around the world. So again, it suggests there might be something wrong with my antenna setup. Here once again is my ugly Balin. As you recall, I've got a couple of bolts up the top here. And at the back of the bolts, that's connected to this coax that runs round and round the PVC pipe. And then through and over to this connector down the bottom. Now, the coax coming from my transmitter is connected here. This bolt is connected to my carport roof and this bolt is connected to my 40 meter vertical. Theoretically, my signal uh, or transmitted signal should come through here along the coax and to one or other of these bolts. And similarly, the ground should come along and there should be a constant connection between those two. Now, one thing I didn't do when I actually built the Ugly Balin was do some continuity testing. So that may be what the cause of the problem is. Let's now talk a little bit about continuity testing. Well, here I've got a multimeter. It's set to the resistance scale of 200 ohms. And essentially what I'm doing is I'm measuring the resistance of any material between these two probes. At the moment, there's nothing there but air. And as a general rule, air has a high resistance, hence the one showing on my multimeter. Now, if I touch these probes on the table apart like so, you'll see the multimeter doesn't change at all, which means that this table has a high resistance to electrons flowing along that material along the table. On the other hand, if I get this spanner and I touch my probes on like so, you'll see the scale changes. I've now got a low resistance. In other words, electrons can easily flow along that material. Turning now to the ugly Balin, what I'm concerned about is that I've got constant connectivity from here through to here and from here through to here. If there's a break for some reason, in other words, the coax is broken inside or I've got a bad connection, then my uh, transmitted signal isn't going to make its way through the antenna and uh, I could have all sorts of problems. So let's start by touching one probe down the bottom here and the other onto here. And lo and behold, yes, there it is. A little bit of resistance, but not too bad. Now we'll try the center conductor now. So we'll touch here up to the center. And lo and behold, yeah, it's a fairly low resistance as well. How baffling. I've got good conductivity from here through to here. There is one final possibility, however, and that is that in fact, I, I might have some conductivity from the outside to the inside. 
Now that would be a bad thing. In other words, it's a short. So let's give it a try. Lo and behold, I do have conductivity. So I must have a short somewhere inside my circuit. That's a bad thing. I've now found the problem. If I look inside here, I can see that the plastic outside the center conductor has actually become broken right here. And that's causing the center conductor to touch the shield. So I'll need to pull this apart and uh, strip the wire a little bit so that the center conductor no longer touches the shield. I've now finished repairing my ugly balen. All that remains for me to do is to give it one last continuity check just to make sure I still haven't got any more shorts. Firstly, do I still have a short across uh, these two terminals? The answer is no. Or across the connector? The answer is no. But do I have continuity coming from this terminal down to the outside? The answer is yes. And from this terminal to the center pin, the answer is yes also. So success. I can now confidently, confidently connect my antenna back up to my ugly balen. To test out my repaired ugly balen, I transmitted some more WSPR at 30 watts on 20 meters. And as you can see, I'm getting out really well. Uh, I was received in uh, the UK, in Belgium, in Japan, and on the east coast of America. So that's, that looks pretty good to me. Let's finish up by considering the learning out of today's exercise. Well, what happened with my antenna system? I shorted it uh, near the antenna, so there was no power actually going out of the antenna. What was happening is it was being reflected back down to the radio. Now, I had an antenna tuning unit uh, on the front of my radio, so uh, the radio just saw 50 ohms. What actually happened was the power ended up being radiated out the coaxial cable. And so I was able to actually transmit and receive to some degree, but the whole system certainly wasn't working optimally. So what do we learn out of this? Well, what we learn is that even though you might be transmitting and receiving and, uh, you know, being able to talk to people, your antenna system may not be working optimally. It's only when you actually get a, a multimeter out and actually go and check along your cable and check your antenna that you can actually find out whether the power from your radio is getting through to your antenna. And that's something you probably should do periodically. Well, Peter, so how's the antenna working now? Oh, much, much better. Um, what appear to be sometimes dead bands uh, come to life. So uh, I'm hearing a lot more, and uh, as you saw before, I'm actually getting out a lot better as well. So it's a win-win situation. So the dielectric was broke, the yeah. uh, the plastic, uh, The plastic around the center conductor had become broken uh, at a point along the way, and there was being a short between that and the, um, the braid. So, okay, that's uh, yeah, that's it was. It, I twisted around just a little bit too much. Okay. All right. So, what, you know, I didn't even ask you, though. I think back when you did this, and I'm not sure if you mentioned, did using an ugly balloon solve the problem you had? Absolutely. And, in fact, um, I actually thought the ugly balloon and everything was working okay because I could still get out, I could still talk to people. Um, but the what I found, though, was it sort of deafened everything. It sort of... Uh, 
everything sounded uh, a little bit muted. Uh, you know, it was I wasn't getting the best performance. It's so I decided new. to go back, have a look at it, and found out that, in fact, uh, it was my uh, uh, cable that was doing all the radiating. Did it actually tune okay when it was in uh, defective and before you repaired it? Um, uh, at one point, it, uh, it tuned okay early on. Uh, more recently, it was a bit out of tune, so... Uh, I, um, uh, but I ordinarily use an antenna tuning unit anyway because uh, I don't just use it for 40 metres, which is what it's cut for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, the antenna's cut for, but I also go on a lot on to 20, uh, 20 and 30. So uh, I've typically got it in line and I just tune it up and so I don't think about, well, is it actually uh, resonant on 40 or That's not? A- yeah. Cool. I'm glad so, you found your problem. Yeah, I got something to say about that. But before that, uh, Tommy, I just noticed we got Donald Trump in the chat room there. Awesome. So uh, I didn't even know he was a ham. Me either. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's learning. Maybe he's learning. He should check out Ham College, too. Maybe we can get him licensed. <laughs> I've got an email here that uh, came from my friend Elliot, K1MF. And Elliot said... Uh, and he's talking about uh, an episode of Ham Nation uh, two or three weeks ago. He says, I love your transmitter war stories at one FM site. We just moved into the building and didn't get a chance to complete the hot air exhaust vent uh, onto the building. Chief engineer thought it was high enough and uh, okay until spring. He said they had a blizzard that year. The snow piled up on the flat roof pretty high. Uh, higher than the vent, so the stove started um, to melt and drip down into the transmitter. And the the transmitter dumped, and he said they had to take a ride out to the site, uh, which seemed like a forever trip in the snow. But upon opening the door, they were greeted with about an inch of water on the floor in the transmitter building. Uh, after getting the water on the floor and uh, shoveling away the snow from the vent and using some hair dryers, uh, they finally got the transmitter popped back on with no arcing or any issues, and it remained on the air um, for a while until their remote failed. But uh, he said uh, that fix was easy also. Happy Thanksgiving, George. Well, you can tell I received this uh, back around Thanksgiving. You had a few of those forever trips out to the transmitter, except it wasn't I, snow, it was mud, wasn't it? I have. I had one uh, this Wednesday night, and it yeah. wasn't, it was a planned outage, I'll put it that oh, way. Yeah. I, I had to go off the air to, because there was some work I couldn't do while the station was still on. And I ended up with uh, several things uh, I had not anticipated happening. Yeah. So uh, from what should have been, uh, get there at midnight and turn around and be headed home by about 2 a.m. Uh, I didn't get home until the sun was coming up. Ooh, so rough know, night. I hadn't done that in a long time. Yeah. But I wow. survived and lived to talk about it, too. Yeah, yeah that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, we mentioned Ham College a moment ago. Yep. And we're going to be, well, I haven't, I guess, a year's worth of episodes completed here. Yeah, after one more. After one more, so later in the month. Let's just take a brief message here from our friends. Us. Ham Ham College. Yeah. (laughs) 
At the end of each month, it's Amateurologics Ham College, the new show for those new to the hobby and those wanting to get into amateur radio. Which of the following is a purpose of the amateur radio service as stated in the FCC rules and regulations? That inductor and capacitor form a tuned circuit. That's how you tune the radio to the frequency that you want. The English language. We lived in town. I liked it. I, I listened to mine a lot. It was really cool because you didn't have to have a battery to power yeah. There's our homemade telegraph station. We can use it for long-distance communications. Oh, like, uh, what, three feet yeah, here? across the table. The answer is B. Voltage was named after Italian physicist Alessandro Volta. We can see we're generating a little bit of electricity there. It's DC. It's always great to go back and get a refresher. It well, sure is. A lot of that stuff, if you've been a ham for a while like we have, you, you don't really think about a lot of that stuff that often. They didn't have electric screwdrivers in those days, so that's why we're not using ones. That's why we went primitive with it. Yeah. So let's see if we can hear anything when we, uh, we fire off our spark gap transmitter. Well, we didn't build anything or blow up anything today, but... Uh, the night's still young. Did the neighbors ever complain about the spark gap transmitter? Yeah, no, they didn't. I don't think they were any wiser. Uh, probably because we're in a Faraday cage here. Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Well, Tommy, what have you got for us this month? I know, as a matter of fact, you this little part that you're going to use, that... Uh, that came yeah, from that somebody came, here on the show, didn't it? Sure it sure did. It came from Mike. Mike, what what is it that Tommy has here that um, he is going to show us? You don't know, <laughs> He do don't you? even know. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I wish I knew George. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I need my uh, Kreskin hat. Yeah. Yeah, amazing Kreskin. Yeah. <laughs> um... <laughs> Do you remember the little uh, voltage regulator that you gave me when we were in Dayton? Oh yeah, Dayton. Yeah, so I, I here, here, take a look at the video, and we can chat about it afterwards. You know, from being a ham, that pretty much everything we have runs on DC power. Everything from our handy talkies, our mobile rigs, uh, some of our base rigs actually, our uh, Raspberry Pis, our Arduinos, all of the th fun things that we like to play with. Are, basically battery operated you can get batteries pretty cheap now I've gotten a lot of these type of batteries these little cell uh, gel cells or lead acid batteries and I've gotten from various and assorted places I've even gotten uh, 12 volts 6 volts uh, taken some of the small 6 volts and strapped them together and wired them up in series and made a small 12 volt out of it and I use this to power a lot of things that I want to be like. My wireless microphone system for one. Uh, plug up some of my ham gear to it. Just various things. So what I've been working on is a universal system to power these different things. So I have a quadcopter that uses these little LiPo batteries. And they've got these XT60 connectors. Uh, these are real handy little batteries. It's a... Uh, 1.8 amp hours for this one as opposed to this larger here being uh, 1.4 at 12 volts this is 11.1 .1. still close enough to power most 12 volt things um, but it doesn't work for, to power a 5 volt device this year when I was in Dayton 
our friend Mike, VE3MIC, gave me a little device. I didn't even really notice what it was, but it was sealed up in this little envelope, and it's so small, much larger than the size of my thumbnail, as you can see. And what this is, is a up to 3 amp DC uh, voltage regulator or converter, or reducer, rather. And it's got a small place on here to use a little Phillips head screwdriver, and you can adjust the voltage down. I thought I'd play around with it and see what we can do with it. If you remember a while back when I did my Arduino heads-up display for my 857D, I needed to power my Arduino to power it, and I was going to take the power off of the 13.8 volt output of the radio, but the Arduino the max is 12 volts so with this little device we can turn it down to 12 volts if I want to power my Arduino off of it I can turn it down to between 7 and 12 and if I want to power my Raspberry Pi I can turn it down to 5 and I'm going to test it out today under a load and power up my Raspberry Pi for a little while and see if it gets hot and uh, just see how it works I'm going to wire it up on my little mini breadboard today just for testing. I've had the soldering iron warming up for quite a while, so it's good to go. I went ahead and I pre-tinned my leads. I'm going to use these two that I cut the ends of off. These little experimenter leads and uh, use them so I can just get power from my breadboard right here easily. And uh, we'll just pull them back off later. The, on the back of the board, there's a small arrow. It's going to be a little difficult to see and this orientation is pointing that way so that means these two are the inputs and these two pads on this corner are the outputs and they are marked positive or negative this this one right here is the positive positive end so let's go ahead and solder that I'm just going to put that in very lightly because I don't want to damage that chip I've got this little pair of leads with alligator clips that I'm going to use for testing today. I'm just going to solder this onto the little small voltage regulator to power it up so I can just clip it to different power sources. I've got the input soldered. Now let's do the outs. And the out positive is right here. So let's go ahead and put it back in. Again, being very, very careful. It's just barely snug in there, just enough to hold it. That's the positive. So for the positive, I'm going to put the blue on. And for the, for the negative, I'll put the white. I went ahead and tacked some leads on this little voltage readout. And... I uh, used the same color wire, but I colored one of them black, and that's my negative right there. So I'll go ahead and plug it up here so we'll get a little bit of a display, and we can do an adjustment for our voltage. And hopefully that is good enough. Now that I've got that hooked up, I'm going to use this 12-volt, 7.5-amp-hour battery, and I'm going to hook up my Raspberry Pi. Normally we would use one of these uh, 7805 little voltage regulator chips and use that to, to reduce it down to 5 volts. 
but as you can see this whole device is isn't really much larger than that regulator now we're going to hook up our raspberry pi pins two and six pins pin two is five volts pin six is one of the grounds so i'm going to use these little experimenter leads that have the female ends on it all right i've got all that hooked up i've got the leads coming in from the regulator the ones going out to power the Pi which I don't have connected yet because I don't know if the voltage is correct and then I've got the two that are going into our little voltage readout so that uh, we can tell where we have it set now I'm going to use the alligator clips and hook it up to my battery the black to the black the red to the red and you see we have our five volts that we were looking for because I was playing with this regulator earlier but let's go ahead and adjust it and see what we can do your car runs off of a 12 volt battery but when it's cranked up and running you get about 13.8 to 14 something volts which is enough to run the car and charge the battery at the same time while it's running well your Arduino is only rated up to 12 volts, so that extra voltage could fry it. So that's where something like this is handy. If we wanted to, to run something in mobile and have a good stable power source, we would set this to 12 volts and then build up our circuit to connect it to the Arduino. And that way we would ensure that our extra voltage from our alternator didn't kill our device. So let's do a little adjustment here and see what we can get. make sure we can see okay five volts and let's adjust that's five counterclockwise and it's going up that's ten eleven point two out of it so I want to go back down to five Try to get right on the money. There's five. I've got HDMI hooked up to my Raspberry Pi here, and let's go ahead and boot it up. I was going to do it without it, but uh, without the video, but I want to make sure that it's good and stable. And I see it booting up. And we still have the activity lights working and the five steady five volts. I see the, everything on the screen just fine, no problem. And I feel no heat whatsoever from the little device. So it's about 10 after. Let's come back in a few minutes and check it out. While we're waiting on this, let's talk about these little devices. It's, it's small. It's cheaper to buy the device than it is to take this little regulator chip here and build your own. Mike gave me that little chip. I wasn't really sure what it was. Um, I put it in my stuff from Dayton, and one day I was surfing around on the internet, and I saw those little chips used in a project, or the little not a chip, it's really a device. But I saw it used in a project, and all of a sudden it reminded me that that's what he gave me. So I dug it out and checked it out, and sure enough, it is. And and I ordered some more. You can get them on eBay for 99 cents a piece with no shipping charges. That's pretty reasonable. You can't even really build anything that cheap. 
so I think it's going to work out pretty nice. I've, I've played around with it a little bit so far, but today's the first day that I've actually put it under a real load and watched it. So far, so good. It's been running about 15 minutes and no heat whatsoever to speak of. So let's try it with a 6 volt battery now and see if we get the same result. So let's hook it up to here. Negative and the positive. Now we've only got one volt difference. I've still got five volts here coming out, but this is a six volt battery that we're powering it with. I had to make no adjustments whatsoever. Let's boot our Pi back up. And you should be able to see the lights going. And it's booting up over there. I see the screen, uh, all the boot messages going. Still got the same 5 volts, no problem. These chips right here don't work like that. If you were to build your own voltage regulator with this chip, it wouldn't work with the 6 volt because I believe you'd have to have a little over 7 volts to give it enough headroom to be able to, to regulate it properly. So I think we have a winner for, for 99 cents. You can't hardly beat it. Now what I'll do is I'll go ahead and use these little connectors I showed you earlier, these XT60 connectors, and hook them up to the inputs and the outputs. Already have some leads made that'll power my Arduino, the plug-in right there to power my DHAP. So we'll build on this a little bit later. I'm going to put it in this little Arduino tin temporarily, but I think what I'm going to end up doing is taking the plastic ammo box and making a power supply out of it and put one of these regulators in, the voltage readout with an amp meter on it and a few different connectors and have some good portable power for a few different devices that I use. And uh, I think we'll make a project out of that in the future. Thanks to Mike, VE3MIC, for giving me the little voltage regulator. I actually ordered some more of them. They should be here in another week or so. And uh, I think you'll be seeing them in the future in some other projects. And uh, I suspect you'll be using them in some of your own. 73. Mike gave me that thing, like I said, in Dayton. I, I walked up and he gave you a couple, I think. And then he, he said, here, I got one for you. And I didn't really even know what it was that he gave me. Uh, here, so take I, this. So I took it home, and I, I ran across that, and then the, all of a sudden it clicked. I'm like, oh, that's the thing Mike gave me. I, so I dug it out and checked it out. It's a pretty neat little device. Yeah. They they are pretty neat, and the, uh, the top of the voltage is crazy. Like I don't know what the input-output variable is, but it's it's minimal. You never do that, like you said, with a linear voltage regulator. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's uh, pretty efficient, so. I've uh, got a couple of other projects I'm going to end up using those in. So, like I said, I ordered some extras. Yeah. I actually, I actually bought them for a uh, to build a battery eliminator for uh, for an HT that I use in the car. Oh, I yeah? just take it down from, like you said, thirteen point eight down to uh, seven point two. Incidentally, somebody in the uh, chat room asked about the the current output on it, and it'll it'll handle up to three amps according to the specs. Three amps. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The thing that's cool about them though is they don't get warm really, or, or get hot at least. So you know that's that's, that's pretty efficient. Sure. Yeah, that you're not wasting current by using one of these. Right. And the old uh, uh, LM like um, seventy eight oh five or you know 
those those type of regulations. Yeah, I, I refer to them as a linear voltage really regulator. That's right, um, yeah, linear. Yeah, but they, they need a lot of heat sink to uh, to work. Yeah, so you know they're sitting there sucking down batteries. You know while you're not maybe even doing anything. Yeah, so I don't even. Yeah, I would never interested. never use that for a um, like for a battery to convert battery voltage down. I mean, it'd be okay if you're plugging into like mains power. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wouldn't use it for uh, for battery projects at all. Yeah, so so appreciate that thing, Mike. Uh, I didn't even know they existed, and uh, I thought I'd kind of share that with people out there. Maybe they'll get some use out of it, some of their projects as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks, thanks for giving those to us, Mike, and thanks for finally trying it out, Tommy. Once you figured out what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll be back um, with email in just a moment. But, you know, first we want to talk about Christmas and about MFJ. And, you know, MFJs, they make more ham radio products than anyone else in the world. Oh, yeah, by a long shot. So if you're thinking about Christmas shopping for a ham, they might just have what you need in there. The odds are good that you'll find something that they need. Like Oh, no doubt. Uh, they're, they're known for their... They're little 24-hour clocks. You know, you can get these little clocks. This is the MFJ, what is it, 107B, 24-hour clock. Just, you know, sit it on the desk there by your rig, and you've got a nice little clock. But they also make a dual version of that so that you can set one of them for local time. Uh, set the other one for UTC, and, y- you know, you got both of them right there because... You usually want to know UTC at the same yeah, time. I, yeah, absolutely. It's good uh, every time we post for the uh, the, the uh, nets. Yeah, and this is a new one that they've came out with recently. Uh, this one's a, a dual time clock here. You can set it for, uh, I believe, 12 or 24 hour uh, display on it. This one synchronizes with uh, WWVH. Oh. I believe it is. Oh, nice. Awesome. So uh, it's uh, radio synchronized. It's got a 10-minute ID timer built into it as well. So you can use it to remind you, you know, every 10 minutes to ID. Uh, nice little clock. Perfect for your amateur usage. And it's a big display, too. So, you know, you can see this one with uh, without your glasses Yeah, I can on. even see those without them. Yeah. It's a nice size. They've got some other stuff, too, but now this is not... You might think of this more for Easter. Yeah, it looks like <laughs> Easter eggs. Yeah. Yeah, well, let me see if I can get over here where you can see it. It's yeah. It's a set of insulators. Uh, you build your own antennas like we, we normally do. Uh, every ham wants to build their own antennas, and, and these are indispensable. Yeah, and those are called egg insulators there. Those are ceramic. Yeah. Uh, of course, they've also, you know, got the plastic ones and... Uh, um, They've got the ones called dog bones, mm-hmm. just a lot of different ones. Uh, and, you know, maybe your ham buddy needs an antenna switch. This is a really nice one right here. I don't have the specs on it. Uh, this is the MFJ 1702C. It's fill the weight of that, Tommy. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's yeah. heavy. Solid. So there you can take... Uh, Two antennas and hook to your rig, or two rigs and hook to an antenna, and you know, good positive action switch with a center position off there. Of course, 
that's just one of them. They have, I don't know, over a dozen different antenna switches to choose from. But this this is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, right that's here. similar to the one you used on your uh, project yeah, it's with the servo. Mm -hmm. So I believe that one would probably work as well. And, of course, you might need an antenna. And we were talking about the dog bone insulators. There's one there. This is a 40-meter off-center fed dipole, the same yeah. one I used on field day oh, yeah. this year. But a wide variety of wire antennas and, well, practically every kind of antenna yeah. you can OCF's think of. OCF's great. If you could find on space, you can get a lot of a lot of bands in a yeah. small amount of area. And then, don't forget about these. Everham would like to have one of these. This is the MFJ259C, probably the world's most uh, popular antenna analyzer. Uh, yep. Check your antenna on uh, multiple bands. This one covers, uh, let's see, from 530 kilohertz, which would be the broadcast band, up to 230 megahertz. Of course, they also have models that go up into UHF. Yeah. And this is probably the most popular antenna analyzer in the world, but it's not the only one MFJ has. They've got, I'm going to say, probably a dozen different models of antenna analyzers. Yeah, they've got for, quite a few. You know, just, just all kinds of different features. So, you know, if you're looking for something for your ham friends for Christmas, boy, they would really love you if you got them one of these. But, you know, if you can't do that, uh, you know, maybe get them some eggs, some eggs. <laughs> <laughs> a clock, you know, antenna switch. Or, you know, ladies, this would be a good place to go shopping for your ham husband for yep. Christmas. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, thanks, MFJ, for supporting Amateur Logic for another year. It's always great to have you guys behind us. And uh, let's get let's get our uh, our cheap friend in here, Tommy. All right. Email. Are you you still in here with us tonight? I am. Well, tell us a little bit. What have you been up to? You know, we we had a segment on from you. Oh, I guess last show, but you know, we really haven't talked much and in, in well on the show here anyway in quite a while yeah i've been uh enjoying the shack and in fact uh santa claus uh here rumor has it has some uh things in my in route to me from uh icom and some cool. other uh vendors and i'm looking forward to that but i've been in the shack uh doing a lot of little projects which i hope to uh, be able to share with you guys and your audience well you've been must have been pretty good this year I think so. Uh, it might they might be talking about somebody else, but I think yeah. I have been. Or at least at least they're good at hiding. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see, what's that hat there? Uh, fragile. Uh, fragile. Oh wait, yeah. the other way. Fragile. Oh, yeah, is that French? Oh, yes, Italian. it is. It is French. Italian. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think I think you've got an email here from um, one of our viewers that. Ask a little bit about, uh, well, some of your past projects there. Yeah, yeah, I have an email um, from uh, Dan uh, Sula, uh, KI7DAN. That's a cool uh, call sign there, Dan. Um, Dan writes to us, um, just caught your review on Amateur Logic and was interested in the PVC mast. Looks like a cheap way to support a 10-meter vertical dipole. Could you tell me the size, diameter, and length of each of the PVC pipe segments. Thanks. Love the comm segments. Keep up the cheapness. We poor hams are grateful. 73. <laughs> so what he's referring to there, um, 
George's in episode 36. I think it was my first uh, episode with you guys, and I threw together a quick mask, which was cheap and easy to put up, and it's still in the uh, backyard, just like uh, the segment last uh, episode showed. Yeah, so that's... um, You know... I, I haven't built one of those. I used some PVC for something else, and I did not quite get as good a result because mine was like the corner pole for um, for my loop antenna. Oh, so yeah. I was stretching on it sideways pretty yeah, hard. Too much pull on one side. But just, ju- just to answer his question, too, um, you know, I went to a local supply store and got Schedule 40 PVC, the pre-cut five-foot sections, and kind of started big at three inches, went down to two and maybe one and a half or whatever was available and put the reducers, the appropriate reducers in between and glued them together and screwed them together. And uh, that's been a, a workhorse of a mast for uh, some of my antennas I use for scanning and even handbands. So what, what do you have on that mast? What I, I put uh, ICOM's uh, AH7000 disc cone antenna and that's because i use it for uh it's a great unity gain all band antenna as far as vhf and uhf is concerned i think they cover from um uh 50 megs all the way up to 1.2 gigs so and it works really great for that i know icom's newest version of that is the ah8000 which i'm planning on getting because it increases the bandwidth up to 2.4 gigs so it's so one of those radios I know uh, that I'm hoping the Santa will drop off is uh, ICOM's 9100, which uh, goes up to 1.2 gigs with the option. So I'm looking forward to that, using it. Uh, uh, that's a nice radio. You've got something hooked up on that antenna right now, don't you? That uh, I do. Yeah. I do. And that kind of leads right into the segment, George. It's a spectrum analyzer, a, a cheap old man's spectrum analyzer. And... Um, it, uh, that is the next segment, in fact, if you want to roll that one, George. Well, of course, all of us want a spectrum analyzer, so let's see how cheap we can do it. Oh, Tommy, Peter, and George. Cheap old man here. KE5QKR. Something else I've been messing with in the shack lately is uh, SDR. Uh, using the USB type dongles and uh, also some up converter uh, kits and uh, that's been fun just to have a visual of uh, signals in this case I'm looking at one of the uh, local FM broadcast stations here uh, with its normal analog uh, signal in the middle and the two sidebands to the side for uh, HD radio so it's good to be able to see Sometimes uh, the signals, you know, that you're uh, decoding, and this uh, is a pretty good example. It offers a um, good view if you got a computer in your shack and can hook it up. You can really uh, have some fun tuning around and seeing what all of this uh, actually looks like on the displays. So anyway, that's something else I've been messing with here, and that's what this segment's about. The particular uh, SDR dongle. I uh, picked up is this uh, NESDR Mini 2. Uh, it's a DVB-T stick that they've uh, 
optimized, I guess you could say, for um, SDR with this particular combination. Along with that USB dongle, I'm using the SDR Sharp software on Windows to actually uh, do the SDR uh, Cinelan displays on my uh, PC and monitor. Piece to it is the actual uh, ham it up up converter that will pretty much bring the uh, entire um, shortwave or ham uh, bands into the same display. Of course, in, in this case, it has a wide enough uh, display to actually be able to uh, view the entire uh, bands on one screen. So it's good to see those peaks where people are talking, especially on the lower bands like uh, 80 and 75 meters. So, so far so good, it's worked for me. There are other programs as well that you can integrate with this and pipe the audio virtually into softwares that will let you decode digital signals as well, like D-Star, for instance. And um, the uh, Apco 25, like if you have a scanner or receivers, uh, this will also, you can, you can integrate it with this to uh, decode those digital streams, much less see it. The real reason I bought it or got going on this is uh, so that I could actually see the spectrums. Um, you know, they're not the best radios, <laughs> but uh, you'd be surprised with uh, pretty moderate antennas and um, uh, in this case a USB dongle can do uh, in, the, in that regard. One thing worth mentioning about it as well is that it also decodes the uh, text as part of the uh, station that you listen to. A lot of little features in this software that are really pretty neat just to uh, see what some advantages of uh, software defined radios can give you. Again, it's not the best uh, receivers or radios that you can buy, especially compared to some of the ham equipment, but for the price, uh, you know, with the actual uh, dongle itself and the kit up converter, you know, for less than 100 bucks, um, <laughs> it was uh, worth worth an investment for me and I've been having some fun with it. So, so actually being able to see the uh, weather signals like from NOAA for instance uh, you know the actual range of the uh, dongle I believe is uh, from maybe a hundred meg all the way up to 1.2 gig so they, they make many different flavors of them and this software pretty much works with all of them. There's other software than SDR Sharp, but uh, again, if you have a wondering what the stuff out there looks like with this software, you can actually see it and uh, usually capture some entire bands. I've I've already found signals that uh, didn't quite understand what they were and learned about them just from looking at uh, pretty wide swaths of the band. So neat stuff. The up converter does have a switch that allows you to uh, turn on the up, up conversion um, or pass through, put it in a pass through mode as long as the uh, antenna connect is here for the IF outputs to the actual dongle. I'm just using a standard uh, disc cone antenna in my uh, patch panel down here to actually um, receive 
the uh, VHF UHF side. When I go to the up converter, I'll usually change it over to uh, one of my long wires or my uh, loop antennas outside for the HF bands. Cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat stuff, man. So what about that up converter now? Is that uh, was that a kit or is that already built? Um, it you can buy it. I think either way. Um, New Electric or New Elect sells it as a. Um, the case comes separate. You mount the board in it. Um, there are some options for a, a noise. I forget exactly what they call it um, that you can put together. There's some surface mount uh, soldering involved in that. So yeah, there's kind of a kit form of it and uh, put together, easy put together kit also. Okay, so the you said it was forty. I believe it was forty forty five dollars on there. Right, the dongle was twenty, and that up converter was forty. And you know, if you buy the case and everything else, it was just under a hundred dollars for the whole thing. That's cool. not too bad. So yeah, I have a lot of fun with that thing. Just being able to see signals, identify signals that are out on a band, zoom in on it, learn what it is. You know, it's kind of like signal hunting, and then sometimes you got to figure out how to decode what's there. So that's the fun I have with it. Yeah, you know, while it's I mean, maybe it's not a laboratory-grade laboratory spectrum analyzer, but, hey, just being able to look out there and, and seeing things, you can learn a whole lot, you know, for, for not much money. Nope. It's a cheap old man minute for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Lives up to his name. Yep. That's right. Well, we appreciate that email. That, that did look like a lot of fun. You know, I've, I've played with one of the dongles, and I know Peter has, too. But I've never used that up converter before. I, I knew they were out there, but uh, so it works good, huh? Absolutely. Cool. Well, don't go away. We're going to be back in just a moment for a little bit of Christmas festivities. What do you say? I'm ready for some. Enjoy the holiday season with an ICOM portable. Nothing spreads holiday cheer like ICOM's colorful ID51A Plus D-Star Dual Bander. Available in classic black, sunset orange, passion pink, ultraviolet, or lime yellow. Near me repeater function for D-Star as well as analog repeaters. Free downloadable RSMS1A Android app and integrated GPS. For the ham on the go, the UHF D-Star ID31 a has so many features to enjoy. Built-in GPS, compact and lightweight with waterproof construction, and micro SD card slot. Want to give the gift of classic 2 meter 70 centimeter operation? Try the ICT-70A HD. Easy to program with simple keypad. It has a large backlit alphanumeric display. Here are 700 milliwatts of loud and clear audio. And the HD version includes the radio, lithium-ion battery pack, and rapid charger for up to 19 hours of operation. For a versatile high-power handheld, choose ICOM's ICV80A HD Sport. It has a built-in BTL amplifier which helps deliver 750 milliwatts of loud audio, great for noisy environments, and like the T70A, the HD version includes the radio, lithium-ion battery pack, and rapid charger. The V80 Sport also comes with an alkaline tray that holds six AA batteries. Visit icomamerica.com amateur for more information on ICOM's mobile radio selection. Happy Holidays! We skipped your email there, but uh, that's okay. I think you still got it handy. Yeah, I do. I've got one from Mark uh, KC One EKM. Says hi, Tommy. I was wondering if you still own the IC seventy one hundred. 
I just got a signal link USB for mine. Uh, I posted a photo of the setup on your Facebook page on November the 6th. Oops. So I'll, I'll cover why I haven't answered that yet here in a minute. <laughs> I haven't had much time to read how to actually transmit in digital mode. Did I need it or could I have connected the radio directly to the PC? I'm a very new ham or very new in ham radio and don't know much about digital modes, but I'm very interested in learning about it. Will you be featuring the IC7100 and its digital mode capabilities in future episodes? That would be great for us ICOM owners. Love the show. Think you're all doing all of us hams a great service. Keep up the good work. First of all, the, about the Facebook post, I guess I missed that, but I haven't been able to get on there much lately. We've had a lot of things going on. I had a lot of work done on my house, and my wife had some surgery, and I just kind of fell to the wayside on that. So sorry about missing it, because we usually try to answer all of them. Um, and as far as your question about the 7100, I do still have it. I, I love it. I use it all the time when I'm at home. Um, you, you really didn't need the Signalink USB for that radio because it's got most of that functionality already built in. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're using a Windows computer, you can download the drivers off the ICOM site, and you can set up FL Digi and some of the others to, to use it. Um, I haven't done a tutorial on that yet, but that actually is on my list of uh, topics to do one on uh, in the very near future. So uh, kind of look for that, and hopefully you'll see it pretty soon. Yeah, I'm looking forward to, to seeing more about that because that's pretty cool when you got the audio device already built in the rig. Yeah, there's some other stuff in that rig, too. They've, it's got an IF out over the USB port, so uh, I plan on cool. showing some yeah. stuff of that, too. It, it's a really nice rig, and, and uh, unfortunately, I've been gone a lot and haven't been able to explore it as much as uh, I wanted to, but that's actually on the short list of, of topics as well. So Yeah, cool. Well, let's bring Mike on in here. Mike, you've been sitting by uh, patiently throughout the evening's proceedings here. And, um, well, and there's probably a reason you've been being quiet up to now. <laughs> well, George, uh, you'll probably remember, as some of the viewers were, will remember, that uh, two years ago we came out with the uh, ALTV Holiday mm -hmm. Gift Guide. And uh, some of those products... Well, they weren't really ham-related. I mean, let's face it, the uh, the Chai Pet, yeah. you know, there are oh, some similar, they did similar fly products off the out shelves. there. The Uggy, same thing. Um, but, you know, like like I'm a big fan of, of the, um, yeah. the, the uh, Torch and the Deluxe Kit. Well, we decided to take a step back and, and regroup and, and figure out, well, what... What products do amateurs like? And uh, certainly, uh, you know, the uh, the torch and and the deluxe kit was a hit. Actually, I think it sold uh, combined. It sold out outsold everything else in the uh, the whole entire gift guide. So uh, we've got something new this year, George. I think you've got a demo of that. I, I believe I do here, Mike. Let's uh, let's just take a look at uh, the reclaimer. You like the crazy gem torch? You love the deluxe kit? From the makers that brought you the Crazy Jim Torch and Deluxe Kit, Whoa, okay. it's the Reclaimer. Now you can salvage electronic components like a pro in less time. Just a few seconds with the Reclaimer and the remaining parts literally fall off the circuit board. Boys and girls, don't try this at home. Earn money salvaging valuable components. Impress your friends. They won't believe it until they've seen it for themselves. Order today and receive this 20-pounder absolutely free. Order in the next five minutes and we'll double your order. 
But wait, there's more. Be one of the first 500 to place an order, and we'll throw in this limited edition coffee mug. The Reclaimer, because life's too short for an iron and a solder sucker. Reclaimer is not available in stores. May cause burnt fingers, singed hair, painful skin rash, ozone depletion, divorce, and sudden death. Children under 18 must be accompanied by an adult. Avoid contact with flammable objects. Reclaimer should not be used by people with insomnia, certain mood disorders, a sensitivity to fire, hypertension, or a history of pyromania. Use only as directed. Void where prohibited. Batteries not included. Well, I, I can't buy that. I have sensitivity to fire. <laughs> you do? Okay. Yeah. I thought it was a pyromania. And that I was... was yeah. <laughs> and, man, I was just about I just to order it. We missed a disclaimer on that. Outdoor use only. Oh, yes. Yep. Yep. True. Well, uh, yeah, I guess it's a little more powerful than the Crazy Jim Deluxe kit. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. I bet they'll be flying off the shelves here in a few minutes. They're burning them down one. <laughs> yeah. Well, what else do we have there, Mike? I know there's a another product here that uh, you really had to do some research to, to find out what was going on with this device, did you? I, I did, George, because um, I don't know if I've never worked that particular band. Um, and I would expect not too many people have. Um but, but to be able to brag to your friends that you've worked the 2200-meter band, but not so much even worked the 2200-meter band, but being able to do it while you're mobile, mm-hmm. now that's a trick. And uh, we're going to show you how you can do that. All right. Let's take a look at that. They said it couldn't be done. You tried to build your own 136 kilohertz antenna, but failed. Get yourself a big load. Finally, a mobile antenna for the 2200 meter band. With a maximum radiated power of 1 watt isotropic, you'll need all the antenna you can get. And this antenna really delivers. The unique design of the 136 kilohertz high Q resonator coil allows for a short vertical element, resulting in a low profile that meets FHWA regulations. Or, Go Marie Mobile and turn your big load into a floater with these optional pontoons. Reel in the weak ones with the big load. Or when the van shuts down, add this optional downrigger and reel in the big ones. Go big or stay home. Get the big load. There's not much you can say about that, is it? I cringed when I thought heard about that you could turn into a floater. <laughs> so, Mike, what what are the initial results on that? It, it does have some gain, doesn't it? It has no gain. Uh, it has because of that band. I think we're uh, as amateurs. We're, we're we have access to that band on a on a secondary basis, and I believe it's one watt over isotropic, so it has to be unity gain. So that is actually a quarter-way vertical element with one great big giant resonator coil. <laughs> wow. And, do you, you know, you just spelled it out so plainly there. You can already, you can get one of these already assembled and on the convenient <laughs> convenient automobile the trailer. adapter. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and you, you can see how hazardous it is maybe to try to build one of those yourself. Yeah, that, that that is a pretty nice bumper mount adapter, though. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think I've seen one quite like that before. Yeah. Tell us more about the floater, Mike. Oh, the uh, the pontoon optional kit. Yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, uh, as you know, with the sunspot, sunspot cycle kind of being a bust, and I don't have a lot of experience on that band, but I know even, even 160, um, it's a temperamental band, so I can imagine what it's like way down there. So, you know, why not why not turn it into a multi-purpose unit and uh, go fishing with it while you're waiting for the band to open up again? There you go. Might as well. <laughs> yeah. Contacts on uh, the 2200 meter band could be a little spaced out. I mean, it's not like it's it's really jumping all the time. Yeah, you throw that together with one watt. Uh, yeah, you might be uh, calling CQ for a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, as amateurs, we. We face interference problems, as you mentioned in that band. There's probably going to be, um, you know, some uh, some noise to deal with. But sometimes we, we've just got people who create noise and create problems, don't we? Absolutely. Yeah, we uh, we had to spend a lot of time. We hired a team of scientists to uh, to figure this one out, and. Uh, we really put a lot of technology, a lot of R&D went into this product. Um, actually, it's probably best if you see it for yourself, and then you'll get a better understanding of how, how this product works. Do we dare? <laughs> We've already done the other. Let's go for it. <laughs> Malicious interference ruining your fun on the handbands. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Offended by some of the language while scanning the bands. Take off, you take off, you nut. You could buy expensive filters, but why bother? Launch your own offensive with LID. With an LID, you just enter the frequency, capture a sample of the target, and launch. The LID's state-of-the-art DSP and signal tracking system does the rest. Traveling at supersonic speed, the LID eliminates the problem at the source in just minutes. Kids will have a blast as they watch the LID lift off and travel into the stratosphere. LID, Long Range Interference Destroyer. When you're tired of QRM, make them QRT. That would that would do the trick, but I'm afraid if I buy that, I'll end up on a no-fly no list and I won't be able to go back and forth to work. Well, yeah. <laughs> you're true. You, you want to be uh, careful how you deploy it, too, yeah. you know. No doubt, but that somebody was asking me if the uh, if we had refill kits for that a product. Oh yeah, and I told them it was a it's a single use product. Yeah, yeah, yep. I can understand, but there again, it uh, it really cleans out the interference. Yeah, and, and for a wide you know <laughs> for, wide range, yeah, several blocks. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, like the like the ad says, when you're tired of the QRM, make them QRT. Exactly. <laughs> well, uh, you know, this next product here, this is something there's been a lot of talk about on the Internet recently. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see that uh, you were able to bring this to fruition. Well, I think it's, uh, it's something that we, it, it's one of those situations where at one point or another, whether we're too tired, we shouldn't have been building a project at that time. Um, for whatever reason, uh, accidents happen, and uh, this is gonna, this product's going to help you out. 
Okay, Tommy, this, this is something I think you'll find particularly interesting. Great. How many times has this happened to you? Accidents like overvoltage or reverse polarity. Don't throw away those expensive electronic components. Resmoke them. Originally developed for the U.S. military, Sweet Baby Ray's laboratories have created a special formula that makes resmoke compatible with most silicon and germanium-based semiconductors and integrated circuits. By applying a small quantity of resmoke, you too can restore components to their original condition in just seconds. Resmoke's patented process reverses smoke exhaustion like magic, and because resmoke contains no carbon dated fluorogranometers, it works on discontinued and obsolete components as well. Resmoke makes a perfect companion for the reclaimer. Resmoke is now available in a convenient aerosol. It's brought to you by Kaplamo, makers of fine products like grit goop, coax stretch, and liquid modulation. Resmoke. When you let the smoke out, get Resmoke. Now that's something that we all need. You can get behind that one. I will, I will stand behind that one. That one gets my endorsement. Yeah. Is it, uh, you, you've got it right Actually, there? Actually, I, I prefer the aerosol myself. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, generally I buy it in the five-gallon drum. That's... Yeah, is that safe to use the aerosol inside? Do you, do you need to take well, it outside with the reclaimer? Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I don't have it with me, but there's uh, a little a little extender you put on the end, and uh, as long as you've got uh, reasonable aim, you should be okay. Okay. <laughs> That's so, awesome. yeah, yeah, it is. I don't know what else we can really. Yeah, it would have. It would have been good for my Save the Duino campaign I had a while back. That would. Uh, that would. Yeah. How much does that aerosol can go for, Mike? Um. I think it's twenty nine ninety five plus shipping. And how many um, how many chips could you do with uh, that size of can? You know, uh, I wish I could answer that. With this size can, probably a lot. Yeah, well, it's a bargain at twice the price. I, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, a lot of people don't realize that electronic works on smoke, and when you let the smoke out, the electronics don't work anymore. So, this is a way to kind of reverse that mistake. Yeah, and uh, does it come with any kind of uh, warranty or guarantee? Uh, no, because of the wide varying uses for this product, we we, we really can't uh, we really can't uh, put any uh, any any uh, claims for uh, for. Uh, I'm drawing a blank here, George. <laughs> <laughs> no. It is what it is. <laughs> you, you meant to say no. That's, I think that's where you were getting that. So yes. you've got the, the re-smoke. Um, is there a mirror that goes with it, you know, that, that can be purchased separately? So then you've got smoke and mirrors. <laughs> no smoke and no mirrors. Um we did have an inquiry about whether or not it was available in different colors, but uh, no, we wanted the product to be universal, so it just comes in black. Okay. Kind of like Henry Ford, you can have any color you want as long as it's black. There you go. All right, one size fits all. Yeah. So another, um, well, another another great set of products there that uh, I think we'll find under a lot of Christmas trees this year but be careful you know if you're using the reclaimer 
around a live Christmas tree. It may not. May yeah, not you want you want to go outside and use that. Yeah, and don't get near your neighbor's house. Thanks for getting those products together for us. I know this was kind of short notice. We we pulled this together in what the last. Uh, week more or less huh? yeah and and we're still making things up as we go along here george <laughs> yeah. when will those be available for order uh we're gonna have to ramp up production if we're gonna make it for christmas yeah you only got about two weeks left yeah hey george i have some questions for mike on those products if you got a minute uh yeah email what's the uh the question there well, I'm pretty sure the the reclaimer would probably work on uh, New Year's uh, fireworks pretty well, if I think about it. But I wonder if the uh, re-smoke will work just as well on the fireworks for New Year's. You know, maybe we could double up mm. on the holidays. You could probably save some money on fireworks, too. And I'm, I'm assuming it comes with a, a brake light warranty of some sort. Is whoever's selling it to you, as soon as you see the brake light, the warranty's over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the the, uh, the famous taillight warranty or the um, uh, 50 seconds or 50 feet, whichever preferred. Yeah. So so do you know, can you re-smoke fireworks? I haven't tried it myself, but I'm willing to try anything. Um, so if anybody out there happens to uh, to know whether or not re-smoke will re-smoke fireworks, uh, please uh, drop us a line or send us an email. Yeah, that'd be good information to have. Yep. So we find out within the next few weeks. Yep. Well, uh, but email you. You mentioned about. Um, well, you have that question. What about any of the other products? Is there anything that uh, Mike can clarify for you on that? Uh, no, I'm good. I'm good on the rest of those products, and I'm <laughs> pretty sure I'm going to keep the reclaimer away from my tree. Okay, and the ham shack too. I wouldn't. In the house in general, possibly yep. the city. Yep. Yep. <laughs> I did have one inquiry about the LID. Yeah. Uh, somebody was asking whether or not we uh, we do customizations for them. Uh, another guy was asking whether or not uh, there's default uh, programmable frequencies. Mm-hmm. And uh, I basically it comes with uh, 14.313 as a default. And I think there's a couple of 75-meter uh, frequencies in there as well as defaults but you can program your own in there no problem cool okay and what's and what's the range of, of that uh the, the upper i think it's like two thousand nautical miles it, um it depends on band okay. conditions doesn't it i believe so um yeah. i wish we would have brought our uh, our team of scientists with us tonight yeah yeah that would have been good well, Peter, do you do you have any uh, questions about the products? I know they kind of uh, caught you off guard. You were, were not really expecting them, but uh, is everything clear to you? Oh, pretty clear, I think. Uh, can't say I've got any questions. Sorry, George, but uh, uh, I, uh, it just amazes me the uh, uh, inventiveness of the U.S. and uh, how it's always coming up with new products. Well, they, these were uh, a joint effort. This this was sort of like a continental. Yeah. type of project because uh international project yeah it's canadian and u.s the products i don't know you'll just have to watch the social media there and we'll let you know where you can order them yeah just uh check the amateur logic swag shop and as, as tommy mentioned it could get you on the no-fly list yeah so be careful <laughs> yeah well uh let's see before we go let's let's just talk briefly about uh these fabulous uh 
sportswear that, that we've got yeah. on here tonight. <laughs> it's the uh, Amateur Logic Swag Store. You can get, uh, well, you can get these golf shirts like we're wearing here. What are they call these polo shirts, don't they? Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. We've also got hats in there, which our uh, model is displaying here. <laughs> uh, got uh, hats, uh, sweatshirts, jackets, t-shirts, t-shirts. Uh, yep, uh, V-neck or crew neck t-shirts. Uh, we've actually we've also got some uh, Ham College sweatshirts in there right now, and uh, t-shirts as well. Oh, okay. So, if you're a fan of Ham College as well, so uh, you can get some of that swag. All right, so check out amateurlogic.spreadshirt.com and get your uh, your amateur logic swag on, or or not, just <laughs> whatever you like. We've got some things there. If you want some some amateur logic swag, here's where and you can I'm, get. I'm planning on putting some other products on there as well. I got a few things uh, jotted down. I'm gonna try to get together here soon. Yeah, cool. Well, we appreciate uh, everybody being with us tonight. We probably should put uh, the ribbons on this one, Tommy. Yeah. Get on out and... Uh, Tie, wrap it up, put it under the tree. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, reclaim it, re-smoke it, and L-I-D it. <laughs> well, it's been fun. It has been fun. We want to uh, thank everyone for being with us tonight. Of course, our uh, regular co-host there, Peter from Down Under. Peter, you got any final words for the audience before we uh, get out of here for tonight? Uh, only that uh, I would love, uh, if, love it if everybody just has a, a very uh, uh, Merry Christmas and just takes it easy on the roads um, because, uh, you know, you don't want anything uh, untoward happening over the, East, uh, over the uh, Christmas break. Uh, good point, Peter. Yep. Don't drink and drive. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, Mike, any any final words from the... Well, I'll see you, you find that hat there. I found the hat. He's yeah. a man of many hats. Get, get down yeah. a little bit. Yeah, let us see. It's directional. Yes, it is. Oh, now I know why I haven't seen the moose running around there behind you. What bands can you work with that? I'm looking at the wavelength of these, and they're probably good for UHF, uh, maybe 70 centimeters, maybe 900 megs. I think that's probably about it. Okay. A little too short for two meters, I think. Yeah, it looked like they'd work pretty good for 70 centimeters, though. Well, we appreciate all your help tonight, Mike, and uh, look forward always, to it. Always a pleasure, and it's always great hanging out with you, uh, you two. You never know what's going to happen. No, that is true. Yeah, we sure don't. Well, thanks for being here. And, of course, the cheap old man himself, Emil. It's good to see you back tonight. And you've got on, what is that, a hoser hat there? <laughs> All right, this, this hat, George, is probably something that both uh, Tesla, Tesla and uh, the McKenzie uh, brothers would uh, agree with here. So... Yeah, it's a good holiday spirit. So, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year's to everybody, and uh, 73s to everybody. Thanks, uh, George and Tommy and the group for having me. 73 to you, man. Good to have yeah. you on here. Yeah, good to see you again, Emil. We'll have to have you back again soon and uh, get into some more trouble. I'll be back. <laughs> <laughs>
All right. Thanks, everyone, for joining us tonight. It's been a blast. Have a, a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, uh, Happy New Year, because we won't Happy be New back year. till next year. Wow. We gone Is that right? I haven't taken the rest of the year off. I think so. Awesome. Yeah. All right. Thanks for being here in 73. 73, everybody. Merry Christmas. Yep, 73 is from Dan Under. <laughs>